Hello, and welcome to Successful, Single, and Not Willing to Settle, the podcast, where we show amazing women how to attract the perfect partner for them by embracing and showcasing their authenticity. Hi, guys. It's Amy. And Jen. And we are excited to be here to talk about something that is really, really important and I think we hear about it a lot and people express their disdain for it, but we're actually on this podcast going to really dive into, you know, the, the reason and the reason it's so painful, the way we get stuck in it and um, some real steps about how to lessen that pain around it. And that is the topic of rejection slash ghosting, I guess, because it's not, It's not, we're not talking about like full relationships ending. We're talking about like the, the kind of day-to-day, week-to-week rejection that's, that's involved and associated with dating. Yeah. So this could be like you like someone or are, are like marginally interested in someone on the dating app. And then all of a sudden they're not responding to your messages or, the ghosting of like you're texting someone and you're and you're thinking it's going to end up in a date and then like it never materializes or after the third date you just like don't hear from them again yeah and and the reason you know that we really want to make sure that we address this is because when you're in that roller coaster and you're doing dating in a way that you are just feeling this beyond the point that you need to, and that's what we're going to get to later, it really is um, often what we find the underlying factor that so many women use to decide that they just can't do this anymore. They like give up on dating and, and express it like it just, it's consuming their lives. Um, it's too much of an emotional roller coaster, and they just get done with it. Um, and the other side is, is either that or they jump into a relationship too quickly. So it's important to address this because this rejection kind of roller coaster um, has a huge impact on whether or not you stick in the dating scene enough, long enough to find the right person for you. Um, and that means either running away from it or just settling for a relationship that's not right for you. Yeah, I think this is probably the number one this is the number one topic that people have asked us to address um but also the number one reason why someone gets frustrated with dating um says they hate dating say they don't want to date and just want to jump into a relationship or say i'm never dating again yeah and this is where you kind of come from you get the comments like um, all guys out there are scammers, you know, or guys only want one thing, you know, it's, it's from these experiences. It's from these rejections that we get those stories. So first we want to talk about where, how we learn to date, like where those influences are that lead us to the point where we're feeling rejection and um, like these micro rejections, like so strongly that it strips us of the ability to kind of have that grit and stick with itness to get what we want. And 
I wanted to make sure we address this because this is actually a conversation that I have with some of my younger clients. So when we're younger, we're taught that you like see a boy and you think he's cute. And if he thinks you're cute too, then you date each other. And then he's your boyfriend. Right. Well, and I'm even like thinking back to like middle school and, and like, I apologize to our, to our listenership, but I just watched season two of 1015. So it's like very fresh on my mind, what middle school was like. And it's where your friends basically intercede and like initiate relationships for you. Like one of them goes to the boy that you like and is like, so-and-so likes you. Mm-hmm. And then they start the relationship for you. So, so even some of it, there's like not a lot of agency or ownership. It's like you say to your friend, I like him or he's cute. And then all of a sudden you're dating, but dating is not real dating. Yeah. And I too. love that you point that out. Like, like it's, it's a boy that like you quite possibly have never had a conversation with. Yes. But you think they're cute. Yeah. <laughs> Like they have a good haircut or they like don't have acne covering their face. So right. Or they seem sweet, (laughs) but like you don't know, or they seem cool. And then, and then as long as both sides have that same feeling, then you're suddenly in a relationship. (laughs) Right. Um, and an exclusive one at that, like he is your boyfriend. Yes. Um, and what I remember from, from middle school, now that we're bringing it up, is that those relationships tended to be short-lived, like, at least from my experience. Like, I would date somebody, but then I would think somebody else was cute. <laughs> and if they felt the same way, then it would kind of, like, fold into, in some instances, another relationship. Yeah. Um, well, and the relationships themselves were so insubstantial, like you might hold hands in the hallway and that's it. Oh, well, I was doing more than that in middle school. (laughs) Sorry, mom. Not like so, so much, but like I was doing more. Um, But yeah, now if you talk to people now, like it's so funny, like when they say like, we're going to, we're going to date. So what what is more, more middle school in the present is that you can be hanging out but you have to be officially asked to date. But when you're hanging out, you're really just hanging out with one person anyway. So you could be in a full-fledged relationship, but it's not official until somebody like officially asks you out. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. Okay. Um, at least that's my experience from like some, some of the, some of the youngins that I speak to. Well, it's like when I was in high school and college, you, you said that you were talking with someone or to someone. And that meant like, you hadn't made it official yet, but like the two of you were hanging out and, and possibly like kissing and both exploring the idea of being boyfriend and girlfriend or dating, but you were just talking quote unquote. So interesting. So, I mean, I, I, I never really, um, I don't think I ever was really like officially asked to be someone's girlfriend. Like I just kind of, fell into relationships. It was never really a conversation. Um, which is, except for with my now husband, where we had the conversation of, we're not going to date other people. But for the rest of my 
my existence, like, and I had some longer relationships, it was, ne- there was never a conversation about it, uh, which is just fascinating to think about. But regardless, we're, we're taught, and we're not just taught this, because this is how we do stuff when we're younger, and we're seeing other people do that. But where did we get that from when we were younger? We get that from, like, movies and TV, I think, mainly, that that's what happens in movies and on TV that like you're, you're, you, it's a love story. So like you meet somebody and then you like fall in love with them and then that's the person and they, and they do it in a two hour span. So, you know, there's not much depth to it. Yes. I was um, just about to say like, this is one of the problems when we, when we use media to inform what we should do in reality like a movie is you know two hours an hour and 45 minutes so the movement from oh he's cute to he's my boyfriend is incredibly quick and fluid and rarely without complication because they need to get to the next scene yeah and they're trying to evoke uh emotion from the viewers and they're taking the quickest route possible because they don't have a lot of time. So they're they're getting to like to the the emotional part of it, right? And they're trying to create an emotion that that can take really actually in real life quite some time. Yes. And they're they're bottling it up in this like kind of fast forward manner. And this is where we talk about like how when we're younger, we are fil- we're getting information in and our filter is is we haven't had enough life experience to be like, does this make sense? So we just kind of take stuff at face value. Um, and so then we start doing the same thing, right? We, we think a boy is cute across the room. And if he thinks the same thing about us, then we're in a relationship with him. Basically, we, we have opportunities to either like stick with that. And listen, it doesn't, I know people who were boyfriend and girlfriend and dating in in high school and are now married and have multiple children and appear on Facebook to be quite happy. So yeah, same. who am I to say not, you know, same. so it can work. It can work. Um, however, if you are in, you know, you get out of high school and you're single and you get out of college and you're single or you break up and at some point in your adult life, you are single there is, you've now, that that kind of like I was gonna say petri dish, although that's probably not the image that I'm going for, but that kind of like um all of the fish are in this one little bowl together that you're picking from that you get from a schooling experience changes. So you're not like re like re-encountering unless it's at work, like the same people every single day. And it becomes different um in terms of who you're going to end up in a relationship with. And that's really a moment where you have some time to decide what is working for you and what is not working for you when it comes to dating. Yes. I love that you said that. I actually was just having this conversation with someone um, a couple of days ago where I said, you know, in, in high school, you have this dating pool of people you've known for a really long time. Um, Cause more than likely you, you've known them, you know, by the time you're in high school, you've known them for like 10 years. Um, and then you move to college and the dating pool is larger, but you don't know them as well, but you're all basically like swimming in the same, you know, pond. And then you graduate 
from college, if, if you go to college and you move into the career world where your dating pool shrinks so much because you're really only, you know, meeting like friends of friends, um, or colleagues and there, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of like, um, stickiness of, of potentially dating someone at work. And I think sometimes that is what causes people to maybe move into relationships that aren't necessarily the best for them because the dating pool shrinks so much and it, and it relates to this idea of rejection because you used to have so many more options and now you don't. And so rejection stings so much more because you don't know how you're going to be able to move away from the rejection and find what you're looking for with fewer prospects, if that makes sense. It totally does. And I love that you say that because it, before you said the pool shrinks, I was thinking the pool expands, but if you are a passive dater, your pool shrinks yeah. because you're sitting and waiting. Um, you're expecting a, a still to look across the room and like feel something or for somebody to bring someone to you. Right. And that's what we're taught as women. We're supposed to do that. So like when even you're saying like your friend matches you up with somebody when you're in middle school and like whispers, like Amy thinks you're cute. Do you think Amy's cute? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, we take, a very passive stance, which we've talked about um, in other podcasts. And that's where the shrinking feeling comes from. But if you are an empowered dater, then things become more acceptable, like, like, um, like online dating or going to mingling events, you know, so you're really getting a more expansive pool. But yes, if you're going to be a passive dater and expect people to bring things to you, or you're going to only pick from who's in front of you, um, for sure, it's much smaller than what you had in high school and in college. Yeah, I love the way you uh, say that, because obviously you can go outside of your like, life, um, you know, beyond the people you work with, or beyond the people that like, are picking up their coffee at the same time as you in the morning or whatever. And you can find so much more, but if you're only looking based on your, your day, then it's a smaller amount of people. Yes, absolutely. And you're also not in the same schedule. So like when you're in high school, you're in college, even if it's somebody who is, you know, you don't really know, like you don't have a class with them. You kind of see them on campus or you see them at a party, like they're in school. So they're like going to classes supposedly, and then going and studying supposedly, <laughs> and then going to, to parties and going to the same bars. And when you, when you leave that, the people that you're around could have a totally different life than you, you know, and you're not, you're, your life isn't necessarily parallel to them. So in that extent, it's, it's a little bit um, less sure, or it, there's less of a surety that you're going to like be able to sync up. Um, and that changes the, the experience of dating for sure when you leave. Um, so where we are, so we go into like this, this new stage in our life and 
Um, I want to share a little bit because I think, like I said, there are moments when you get into this stage where you continue to do things potentially the way that you did things before and they either work for you or they don't. And then we have a, a decision to make. And I think sharing my personal experience and then um, Jen, if you want, you know, jump sure. in um, and then how we, and therefore how we coach, um, I think it's going to give you some insight so that you're not feeling this pain that's getting in the way of getting what you want, right? It's not stopping you from finding that relationship because it can be very painful um, dating in this expansive or shrunken pool, depending on which way you look at it. Um, so I want to say that I was like early twenties and I was one of the first people, I think I've mentioned this before, who like really dove into online dating. Um, and I did that because I, I'm, I, I always was, I, well, looking back on it, I am more, um, I was more like self-conscious and the prospect of like meeting somebody at like a bar, um, I, I never really knew how to be open to being, to like having someone come over or like to, I didn't know how to like flirt where it actually felt authentic. These are things that I kind of researched and learned later in life. So the idea that I could look at someone's profile, they can look at mine and determine beforehand that they wanted to meet me felt better to me than the going out and just like seeing somebody across the room kind of scenario. So I was allowed, I was on a couple of dating sites. Um, and I remember I met this guy and he was super cute. And I was moving from New York city to New Jersey. And I went on like a couple of dates with him and I will say, I saw his profile picture and I was like, oh my God, he's adorable. And already started like fantasizing about like our life together and, you know, how maybe like definitely after the first date, I was like, he's the sweetest thing ever. And he's so cute. And like, I had us like married with children after date one. And he seemed pretty on board. I remember like our second date, he moved me like all of my stuff um, or a lot of it, I don't know. It's a little bit blurry, but he moved a lot of my stuff from my apartment in New York city out to New Jersey. So we like, just like, um, you know, a kind of high school or college scenario jumped into something that was pretty extreme in terms of like, who does that? I just met you. <laughs> who, who, who like jumps that that forward that quickly. Um, and then I think we went out on a couple more dates and then he like disappeared. And I had a couple of conversations with him um, on, I think the third date. So I, so what happened with my mind was like, immediately I was like, what did I say? Or what did I do that caused him to disappear? And it really hurt. And meanwhile, I had met this person four times. And first of all, after date one, I had us married with kids already. And or even pre-conversation, I was fantasizing about that, right? And then after 
date three or four, he disappeared. And it was, it was devastating to me. Um, and I think this is what we do, you know, and we do it because there's, there's a lot of stigma around doing things a different way. And we also, like we said before, is we're trained to do it this way. This is how it's supposed to be, right? We're supposed to date one person at a time. And we'll talk more about the stigma in a minute. But basically, I had a moment of this doesn't feel good. And in that moment, we do a couple different things. It's it's this doesn't feel good. So I'm not freaking doing it anymore. Or this doesn't feel good. How do I make sure that I can do this? And it doesn't feel like this anymore. Right. And even from there, you can go a couple of different directions. Like, I just won't. I won't fall in love so quickly or I'll hold on to my emotions for longer or whatever it is. And in that moment, I remember coming to the conclusion that the reason this hurt so much was because I, he was the only person I was seeing. And I made a decision that moving forward in my dating stint that I wasn't going to put all my eggs in one basket so quickly and making that decision changed everything for me. It changed everything for me too, because you told me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So Jen, tell us like, like what your experience was in like the shift of it all. I absolutely will. I do want to kind of share a relationship, um, Prior, like I want to kind of talk a little bit about my marriage um, with the relationship mm-hmm. before my marriage and then obviously the rejection within the marriage, because um, I think that that demonstrates a different side of rejection. Um, but I can totally relate to the the dating situation that you were in. And I think that's probably one that everyone has been in where you're dating someone, you sort of create a story in your head of like how, how the fairy tale could end. And then it's so debilitating when it doesn't end that way. Cause you're comparing expectation with reality. So yes. Um, with me, I, I married someone that I dated in college and I, I went to school and lived in an area where it was sort of a goal, uh, overt and covert, to be engaged by the time you finish college. Um, I, was, I was in a sorority and women were always having what was called candlelight vigils, or not candlelight vigils, I think they called them candlelights, and it meant that a woman had gotten engaged in the sorority and it was this ritual. And like, it was, I mean, it was like a five minute thing, but it felt like a rite of passage to get your, your candlelight. And I remember feeling an, an immense sense of pressure probably put on by myself, but also put on by all these like cultural things to be engaged by the time I finished college. And I was, I was in a relationship and, and had been for about, I think two and a half years by the time I was, I was nearing the end of my 
college experience and so badly wanted to be engaged, but was in a relationship that frankly, I didn't realize it at the time, but like, I wasn't that happy in. Hi guys, it's Amy. It's time for a sponsor break. We'll be back very, very shortly. See you then. Um, you know, we, we had like issues. I, I don't know that we were really all that compatible. There were things that I was asking of him that he just like was not willing to do, but I was, I was young. I was impressionable. And culture told me that if you're dating someone for a certain number of years, you just, you like stay with it and you get engaged and, and whatever. So, you know, college ends and we eventually get engaged. I missed my chance at the candlelight, which now I look back on and I'm like, that is so stupid that I wanted the candlelight. Like what's more important, like a, a successful marriage or relationship or having someone light a candle for you? Um, and that should, that is a rhetorical question. Hopefully we can all answer that. Um, so, you know, we, we get engaged and there, again, there were prior to getting engaged, there were things different things now, more serious and important things that were coming up that I was like, this just isn't working for me. And so there were things that I would bring up and he would, you know, have like a quick fix solution. And so then I would just move forward and think like, this relationship is so great. And, and I'm saying all of this just to sort of paint this picture of like, this was not a perfect relationship. Not that there are perfect relationships, but there clearly were signs to me that it was not a good match. It was not ideal, you know, but, but we got married and, and I moved halfway across the country for this person. And as, as the relationship got more and more serious and I was making decisions to keep this, this like relationship or family unit together, it was more and more clear to me that I was more committed than he was. And so I'm saying all of this because I was in a relationship. I was married, but I was getting these like tastes of rejection within the relationship. So, mm. you know, there, there were things where I just felt like he was choosing other things over me. Or I was saying, you know, this is really important to me for our relationship. And he was kind of forsaking that. Um, and ultimately, it got to a place where, you know, there was there was infidelity. There was lying. There was um, withholding information on his part. And all of that was rejection um, of me of our relationship, of the life that we had, you know, both like co-signed to build together. And so we, you know, I think it was, it was more my decision. I said, you know, I, I want a separation. I need time to figure this out. And so ultimately it was my decision to separate, but it was because I had been dealt like a hand of rejection time and time again. I just felt like I had been completely sort of cast aside in, in this marriage. Um, and that was the strongest 
form of rejection that I have ever faced. Um, and I remember prior to being in that relationship, so like in middle school and high school, I avoided dating to avoid being rejected. Um, I also mm -hmm. avoided dating because I wanted to date like the cool kid and I didn't think it was worth it to date if I couldn't date the cool kid. So like, mm. so in a way that's avoiding rejection too. Um, because these were like, guy, you know, we kind of talked about like, you see the cute boy from across the room or whatever. Like these were boys I didn't even talk to, but like, those were the ones I had crushes on. And if I couldn't date them, I didn't want to date at all. So I, I was inexperienced really in dating. Um, and that made this rejection within my marriage a really, really hard pill to swallow. And, you know, so I, I, I go through the whole process of kind of recovering from that, which you know, if anyone really needs kind of insight on that, I would say, listen to our breakup toolkit episode, because that's more where, you know, I'm recovering from rejection, but more than anything, it, it was like recovering from a breakup. Um, and when I decided that I was getting a divorce, I needed to find happiness for myself and I needed to date again as like a grown woman. That was when you and I really started talking. Um, cause at that point you were uh, a fixture in my life, watching YouTube videos with me at work. And, and that's mm -hmm. when we started talking about, you know, okay, well, what does it look like to date with, with agency to date as an empowered woman? And, and I am kind of our first client because I, mm -hmm was scared of rejection, um, having, having been dealt such a strong hand of it within a marriage and was ready to date again. And so kind of tried all of these avenues, um, in order to really be a person who puts their eggs in multiple baskets. Um, and it was instrumental for me in teaching myself a couple things, teaching myself that, you know, I am stronger than, than any rejection I might receive in the dating world, because I first learned that I loved myself. And if some guy who I had met twice, you know, or only talked to via the internet, didn't see pursuing a relationship with me, you know, fine. Like, this is obviously before the time of Ariana Grande, but it was very much like a thank you next feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And was talking to so many people online and putting myself in situations where I was meeting lots of people in, in real life, in completely organic situations. Um, and also meeting people through like events. So, so single mingles, speed datings, um, like happy hours. Um, I would go to like bar trivia and it allowed me to completely reject the idea that rejection could be crippling and sort of see rejection as a informative tool to move forward in my dating experience. Like 
if he is going to not respond to this message, then I'm not interested in him anymore because he needs to be interested in me and what I have to say. And if he's not, then it's not going to be a, a working relationship anyway. Or if after the third date, right. he, you know, sends me the, the text that's like, Hey, I don't think we're a match. Okay, great. Thanks for letting me know now. Or if I don't hear from him again, if he ghosts me, better ghost me now than ghost me, you know, in, in a five-year marriage like I had dealt before. So so for me, having gone through a long-term relationship, you know, my marriage that ended in sort of this multi-layered form of rejection made me feel like I welcomed rejection because it was what I needed to know. Yeah. So I could make the best decision for myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so both of us coming to that conclusion of, of not putting our eggs or like finding success from not putting our, all our eggs in one basket, right? Not, you don't feel the rejection to the same level when you have something else brewing, you know, like if you, um, if you, lose a pair of shoes, but you have 10 more pair in your closet. Maybe this isn't a good <laughs> example for Jen because of the love of her shoes, but you know, you're at least not going barefoot. Right. And, and, or if a pair of your shoes, like you wear through them, you know, the option of having, I would shoes, say underwear is a better metaphor because if I lost a pair of underwear, I okay, underwear, wouldn't even so, notice. Ah. Yeah. You lose Right, exactly. So if you lose a pair of underwear, you have a drawer full of them um, and you have yeah. the means to buy new ones, excuse me, to buy new ones. So like it's not, it doesn't sting as much. And that's the same thing that we're talking about here. But so many women, if you mention dating multiple people are like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. Um, it's, I, I just wouldn't be able to be present with more than one person. Like, still even in like these kind of grown up, you know, adult situations really feel that way. So we want to dig a little bit into what is what's going on there. And I think that really comes from a what we mentioned before, that we're taught to date a certain way, and an internalized understanding or feeling of the stigma around making this decision, that you're not going to settle and put all your focus onto one person until you know that that's the person that you should be focusing on, right? So let's dig into the stigma of what is what what we think people are going to think about us if we date multiple people until we know who we want to date more. So the word that comes to my mind is like easy or slutty or... What comes to my mind is, is what I see people saying like on social media about it. Um, and it's that they think that you're being di distrust. Uh, what's the word? Like disingenuous or like you're not worthy of trust if you're going to date multiple people. Yeah. And I see that both ways. Like, like the, the shock of, dating someone and then finding out that he's dating yes. more than one person sometimes feels like a blow. Um, and like, 
like he wasn't being honest. Um, and the reality is that that that's an old story, right? So that's the, unless you've sat down and had a conversation with each other that you're going to be exclusive and then one of you doesn't follow through with that, it's not, um, I'm, I can't think of the word either. <laughs> it's not sneaky or manipulative or dishonest for you to be dating more than one person in the beginning. Um, so the other side, you know, in terms of like, if be, you being kind of like easy or like you, it, it implies that you don't want a monogamous relationship if you're dating around. Um, that's just not true. In fact, what I found was that when I really, really wanted to find the right person for me, I knew I had to do this. I knew I had to really go through the process of meeting more people because of the flip side that if I didn't, I knew I was going to either give up on dating or end up in a relationship with somebody who might not be right because he yeah, was the I only show like a, an analogy and hopefully this is a good analogy. And if it's not, maybe you'll think of another one, but it, it makes me think of like when you first try alcohol um, and like, if you ended up only drinking whatever the first drink was that you had. So like when I, I was kind of, I'm going to say I was a loser, but maybe someone listening is like, that doesn't make you a loser. That makes you like adorable or whatever. But <laughs> I did not actually really drink until I was 21. <laughs> loser. Um, and I mean this totally, honestly, even if my parents are listening, I think they already know this, but I had tried maybe one drink prior to 21 and it was like two months before I turned 21. Um, so, and I liked strawberry daiquiris. That was my drink that I like, liked. So when I turned 21 and everyone took me out for my birthday, it was like, all I wanted was strawberry daiquiris. And, and everyone at my 21st birthday party was older than me. And they were like, no girl, like what is wrong with you? And because you don't go anywhere and order strawberry daiquiris at like bars. Um, so you know, this, this to me kind of makes me think like, you're not going to only drink that first drink that you liked when you tried alcohol for the rest of your life. Um, I no longer drink yes. strawberry daiquiris. <laughs> yes. I've never seen you ever drink or, or right. like, even if I was at an all inclusive resort. Um, you know, we're like, you would actually get a strawberry daiquiri. That is not what I would drink. You know, I, I prefer like red wine and mezcal margaritas and, you know, completely different drinks now. Um, because I've tried other things and I know what I like. And if I only ever drink strawberry daiquiris, think of how unfortunate my drinking life would be. I wouldn't know the things I like. Not to mention, right, and not to mention, like, if we're going to continue with the metaphor, which, first of all, I think it <laughs> is adorable that you, I mean, oh, my God, Jen, how different was our upbringing? Like, you were, like, praying to be, literally praying, probably, praying to be 
engaged mm-hmm. by the end of mm-hmm. your college experience and not drinking <laughs> until you're 21. And I'm like, I like at 22 was like, I'm never getting married and I'm never having children. And I mean, I can't even tell you when I started drinking. I get, I, it wasn't even so, so early, but it was definitely, I was drinking through high school. Um, but that being said, a strawberry daiquiri, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever gotten drunk off of a strawberry daiquiri, but that is nasty. It is a, na- and then the, like the way you feel the next day is freaking awful because there's so much sugar in it. So like, not only that, you'd be settling for a drink that, and not to say we only drink to get drunk, but like, let's let's be honest in terms of like how we, why we were drinking in college and in high school. Um, or at least me, this is my story. You can jump back in and be like, what? That was not what I was just sipping. And I just had one. Um, and I know you, I think you no, shared I, that you've I've never been, been drunk. drunk before. You're going to laugh. I've been drunk, I think two or three times. Right. <laughs> yes. I knew you were going to say, okay. Um, so I, le- I'm an experiential learner. So I learned to not really do that for experience. Um, we're just going to go with that. Um, multiple experiences so anyway you you there's it doesn't really that's not really that's like a once in a while drink um and if you were like downing strawberry daiquiris whenever you went out like there are just so many repercussions that are negative so it's the same thing with kind of like settling with the first the first person the first um experience that you have and deciding like that's what that's what it's going to be for me. Um, I think I talked about this with you. Oh yeah. Not not on the podcast when we were out the other night that I just had this conversation with my son that he, when he was younger, he wanted to be a Marine biologist and he really like, not only did he want to be it, but he got like awesome feedback from people. Like it was just fascinating to adults to hear that this like seven year old, when they asked him what he wanted to be, would say a marine biologist. It was very unique. Um, it showed some of his intelligence that he he was interested in something very specific. Um, so we got a lot of positive feedback too, and he he stuck with it for a while. And almost with like shame attached, recently he looked at me and he's like, "I don't know." So when my son doesn't is afraid to say something, he'll sometimes put his hand over his mouth when he's talking, and he's like, "I don't know if I want to." do that anymore and I was so proud of him I thought it was so brave for him to say that because he'd gotten so much praise for knowing this or for stating this thing about himself that it was so easy for him to be painted into a corner and there are so many people who do that who like stick with it and I feel like it's the same when I'm thinking about your past relationship especially like what's more painting yourself into a corner exactly. but a marriage you know like So to be able to like assess and walk away from that is huge. And it's very hard. It takes a lot of strength and bravery to do that. So when we are only dating one person at a time, we're essentially painting ourselves into a corner over and over again. And it's that much harder, not just for us to deal with the rejection. If it, if they decide it doesn't work out on their end, but it's also very hard for us to look at it objectively and decide on our end that it's not working for us. So I love this story about your son wanting to be a marine biologist and then kind of realizing that maybe he doesn't want to be that. And then obviously, you know, my, my slow moving away from the strawberry daiquiri, um, because I think this, 
this shows us the importance of trying multiple things so that we see what, what we like and we see what works for us and we see what feels like it's sustainable or compatible to ourselves and our own life. And that is what is so important about dating multiple people. If you only, you know, date the, the one person that, that you meet and you don't sort of try yourself on with multiple people or get to know multiple people, you're never going to actually know what feels like the best fit for you. And in a way, not dating multiple people is a form of settling. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, we go back to the idea of rejection. So you're setting yourself up for the roller coaster, like with roller coaster of pain of rejection, those super like super highs and then right after super lows. And that roller coaster usually ends with, with people giving up on dating or like you said, settling or getting into a relationship with the wrong person. So as much as like people say, Oh, I just don't date that way. I can't see myself dating that way. Our advice would be figure it out. (laughs) You know, like you deserve this, you know, the same way that you maybe not going on, on multiple interviews, but if you're looking for a job, you kind of, you research multiple careers, multiple, um, you know, work environments to really see what would be the right fit for you. And whereas when you're new in the, in the workforce and you might be like, Oh God, I got a job. Yeah. I'm going to take this right away. The more experienced you get, the more you realize like who you are, what you really like, what you're really looking for. And you become more particular and you have just a, a more understanding um, or a better, a keener eye to know what's going to work for you and what's not. And you deserve the space to, and the time to make an informed decision. And when you jump into this, like monogamous, not monogamous, because we're not even talking about sex, but when we talk when you close that door too quickly in dating, you're not giving yourself the time to determine. Yeah, and any I of even think things. like if we're gonna extend your your metaphor of like interviewing and and finding a job, no one only applies to one place at a time if they're looking for a job. No one is like, I don't have a job, so I will apply only to one place and wait to possibly get an interview and then hope that that interview leads to a job. You're going to Right. And then if they don't get it, if they don't yeah, get the job, then they're exactly. like, oh, I'm just not going to so, work. <laughs> similar not gonna work to, to job hunting. When you date, you should be talking to and dating multiple people because that is how you find out what is the best fit for you. Just as when you are looking for a job, you go on multiple interviews, you apply to multiple firms or, or places of business so that you find what is the best fit for you. Yeah. And, and if you're sitting and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, yeah, I want, that sounds good. 
but I just, you know, like, I don't know, the dating apps have dried up and I just don't, I just don't have the flow or I don't have the time even is another one to like, to be managing or talking to multiple people. Um, This can absolutely happen. Even if you're super busy, we have clients who, again, are like high powered, independent women, like that's who we serve. And this can absolutely be done in a way where it, the point of it is not, is for it to not be taking over your life emotionally or physically. So it shouldn't be taking over your life that, that you're feeling that roller coaster of rejection super intensely to the point where you're like, I can't do this anymore because I need to focus on the rest of my life, right? That's the goal that you can date, you could do this and not fall apart doing it. And the other side is that it shouldn't be taking over your life in terms of just physical space where you think that the only other option is that you're dating all the time and you have to give up the other things in your life. What you need is that balance and that comes with like a flow of prospects and then a determining, you know, who, who's going to be the next step and working that into your schedule. Um, so that's how you do it. Like, that's what it should look like. And if you're kind of listening and you're like, okay, that, that makes sense for me. And I think that that would work. Um, but I don't know how to do that. Then that would be where we would say to reach out for us, to us. Um, our programs show you specifically how to do that. And our coaching shows you that as well. Um, so if you want to have a conversation and you want to DM us, um, and you know, you can go to our Instagram, um, it tells you in the closing what it is, but just so you know, now it's at successful single female, or we'll put a link in our show notes. It's www.successfulsinglefemale.com slash programs. And that's the other way that you can really get the guidance so that it's not taking up your, your entire life. Um, and that you can actually get, yes, I love that. And, and I'm so glad that you brought that up now because our program really allows you to date multiple people without the stigma attached with a clear understanding of how to do it, um, in a way that works for you, but also it allows you to set boundaries so that you don't feel like it's taking over your life. Yeah. And a clear understanding also of, of just the same way if you, if you had, if you've had multiple jobs or careers and you liked some things about them and didn't like other things, like some things worked for you and some things didn't, it would behoove you to sit. (laughs) And I can't believe I just said behoove, but anyway, it would, you would benefit from sitting down and figuring out very, very clearly what those things were prior to going out and looking for another job, right? Like just like having a moment and it doesn't take very long to do that, but like what worked, what didn't. And that's part of our program as well is guiding you through that. Um, Both the things that were in, you know, that are very overt and obvious from your past relationships, but also, you know, the more covert um, experiences and relationships you've had. So relationships that you had, you know, when you were younger or relationships that you were witnessing in your home, like all those experiences, making sure that we kind of parse through those things before going out. And all of that will help you in terms of what you feel with rejection, because you're going to be able to then determine in multiple situations that 
yes situations might not be right and, for you yeah and and this it just gives you power is such a so, huge part of our program that we're setting you up with that before you go out and date so that you're dating with like your eyes wide open about yourself and and what you need not to mention <laughs> then you get to like chat with Jen and I and we keep your ass yes. in line <laughs> when you're going through the process you're not hung out and not you know you get the support that you need because this can be very um, difficult to have that self-reflection to know whether or not it's your your old tapes getting in your way or whether or not you you know can trust your 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 thought process in certain situations and it's it's very hard to go at that alone or with even with friends who just aren't really getting it so again you can always message us even if you have more questions or um check out what we have to offer be careful of of who you pick as your drink and you know taste around and we're not saying like go and and we're not saying don't do this but I think I always feel like I have to qualify like we're not saying have year relationships with multiple people unless that's what you want and we're not saying that you need to like sleep with multiple people at one time but we're just saying like don't if you're telling yourself that you can go on one date with a guy and you just know and then you shut all other shit down from one date or like you're even like it even before that like a text relationship with somebody and like you're so in it you are setting yourself up to feel the potential rejection so much more than you need to. All right, guys, that's all we have for you today because baby C is pulling the curtain on this one. She's like, we're done, though. So have Bye. a great day and we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Successful, Single, and Not Willing to Settle, the podcast can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at successful single female check out our website at www.successfulsinglefemale.com or check us out on youtube at successful single and not willing to settle have a wonderful day and don't forget to not settle